Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on the first Sunday of November? Praise the Lord. It is a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord together. Did anybody get an extra hour of sleep last night? All right. Or, or were you like, hey, I've got an extra hour, so you just stayed up anyway and you wasted it, huh? No. Okay. Well, praise God. It is a great day to be together, and we are super looking forward to finishing out this year strong for Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together this morning, and we're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to, again, we're going to keep declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus, that we are standing with Israel. Amen. And, uh, and doing everything that God called us to do. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes this morning and do what we call meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a nice high five, handshake, fist bump, pass some hugs around. Amen. Make sure everybody gets some love this morning. Let's go.
glad to be in the house of the Lord today, man. Come on. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an awesome Sunday, uh, but we're, we got a lot going on, a lot of announcements. But if you didn't know, today is a special, special day. It happens to be a certain young man's birthday. It's Pastor Josh's 40th birthday, everybody. Yeah. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, yeah, amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And so we, uh, we want to celebrate him a little bit today. Uh, it is a special day and, uh, Pastor Katie, you want to say something? Well, I just want to, before any heckling happens, you know, what? with the brothers, you know how they do <laughs> pastor Josh, thank you for being a part of all of our lives and changing all of our lives. Thank you for your consistency in your finances and in your living and helping so many of us to do that as well. So if Pastor Josh has helped you in your marriage, in your finances, in raising your kids, could you please stand? Yes, Amen. absolutely. Amen. Thank you for serving the Lord Amen. and staying alive to 40. Amen. We're grateful for that. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And this is your basket that you can't hold, we but we'll just put it on your. If he has ever annoyed you, could you please remain seated? <laughs> remain seated. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Good. I good. knew it was like coming. It. Jeez. What in the world is this? So now I've had the benefit of knowing him for about 38 years now, give or take. And, uh, and so I, I grabbed a few pictures just, I wanted to share with my my family and friends. Go ahead, Tim. Um, so some of you have never seen him. But look at this stunning young man. Look at that. Wow. Look at those chops, dude. All right. Next picture. There he is. We were at a buffet in Denver at one point. That was, here's another one of uh, my dad and Pastor Josh and I when we were still in our 20s. That's at the L.A. Zoo. Yeah. Now, before you do the next one. Okay. Never mind. Go ahead. So. <laughs> uh, so you didn't know it, but Josh is a, a, he has an appreciation for the arts. And a lot of people didn't know that he did do ballet at one point. Um, I don't know where or when, but praise God, there he is. Uh, let's get that off. I don't want can to see I that just, this. While okay. it's up, hold on. Oh, wait, while, while it's, it's up, up, can I just say, this is what it is like to fully surrender to the Lord. <laughs> this is when you obey God at all costs. I wouldn't bring the Lord into that. That's not... That, <laughs> It's okay. on the church platform. I don't know. Okay. All right. Very He's good. He's performing for Jesus. <laughs> He's performed for Jesus. All right. You can bring the lights back on, Kathy. We will end your torture and misery there. But, uh, but you know, we love Pastor Josh, and we do thank him today. He has been, he is a huge part of everything that takes place here at church, even a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that, you know, you don't even see and know about. And I am grateful that he is my big brother, and uh, we have always been very, very close, and I appreciate him very much. So this is probably the kindest things I will ever say publicly about him. Love you. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right. And there's a great gift basket there, so you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's actual good stuff. No pranks. All right. So while, while we're at it, the biggest thing was we tried to match the ounces. I don't know if the rest of you can see his giant cups. He carries around barrels. <laughs> 
And so yeah, we tried to match the ounces in something that would actually fit in a cup holder. Okay. It, we attempted. We attempted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, everybody, for celebrating Pastor Josh with us today. And one final thing. Um, he's always up here during the services. He doesn't get a lot of interaction with the crowd. And so he is an affectionate guy, believe it or not. Not everybody knows that. So I would just encourage you at the end of the service... Anybody that can, give him a hug. I'll put him down here. Come up, give him a hug. You don't have to take long. He loves hugs. He just doesn't get them that often. So he'll be down here right after service. And we'd like to do a line of hugs, okay? Thank you so much. That means a lot to us as a family. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the announcements. There is a lot going on over the next few weeks. I'm going to let Pastor Katie take care of that. Amen. Oh, praise God. Well, we believe in healthy families first and foremost. So while we're on that note, would you like to present your parenting certificates? Oh, yes. Parenting class. We just completed a parenting class. Um, Lawrence and Leah Mata, who are over Lift Family Life, had a group of folks that they hung out with for quite a while. And we just want to recognize them. Yeah, amen. So the, the parenting class that we did was called Intentional Parenting. Um, this was the second time that we actually offered this class. Um, and um, we had a great group. They were really engaged. They were learning. We had some good feedback, some testimonies. And so I'm really, really proud of all of these because it's five weeks um, coming on a Sunday night. So you go home from church Sunday morning and you get a couple hours and then you're right back here at four o'clock. And um, I'm sure if you ask any of them, they have some really good um, advice and some good things that they gleaned from, from the um, parenting class. So if, as you see these people up here, you're going through something. Hey, what'd you learn in that intentional parenting class? Just ask them, you know? So um, all that to say, I'm going to, you want to announce names or... So, uh, first one is for uh, Gladys Morris. Gladys. Uh, uh, the certificate says, Intentional Parenting Certificate of Completion. This is to certify that the Intentional Parenting class has been successfully completed. All right, That's very good. The next one is Cheyenne Johns. She did it while taking care of a newborn at the same time, so she got extra credit for that. Uh, Adriana Church, not here today, but she completed it and she's watching online, so got your certificate. Alex Church. And they got a lot. They got a lot of kids. So, Sheldon Allen, he's he's probably at work right now. But Sheldon, we got your certificate. And his wife, uh, she's also working. <laughs> so they're working at parenting and in the world. Amen. Okay, she. Oh, this one was for Trinity. But come on up anyway. Come on up, Trinity. Trinity, this is what we call a typo. So hold it. Hold the certificate. Nice. Hey, we got half of it right. 
And in parenting, if you get half of it right, you, you're victorious. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, Shannon Johnson. Woo, yeah. Shannon. We've seen you here. Okay, here she is. <laughs> we did spell check on the rest, we promise. <laughs> Naomi King, who's not here today also, Naomi. but she might be serving. But what was awesome is that there was a lot of, you know, you had all over the spectrum. We had fam blended families. We had families with a lot of kids. We had families with newborns. We had, you know, single parents. We had uh, parents that had older kids and younger kids. And it, it was just awesome to see, like, the, 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 the willing to, like, accept the, the, the teachings and to apply it to their lives. And that's what it's all about. I think we made one statement together and we said it during the class you'll get out of it what you put into it yeah and, and it was just really awesome to see how people were just so like just eager to learn and willing to apply the teachings to their lives and to accomplish what it says in the class to be intentional amen and coming this spring we will have another parenting class so if you're interested in coming we will not be doing this one again i don't know if we'll ever do this one again maybe but we'll have a brand new class so if you're you're interested in learning how to become a bit better parent, getting, you know, some tips, some, you know, advice or something like that. Just be looking out for in the springtime, we'll have another, a new parenting class that you can, you can take. And then you can be one of these lovely there people up here. So yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, they want a group picture. Aww. <laughs> I'll just get out of the way. That's what I was <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Nadine. <laughs> All right, there we go, everybody. Praise God. Well, if you have been part of our leadership at all, or if you have been to servant leadership meetings at all, can you tell me, what are we? A. Oh my gosh. <laughs> People, you got left out. Come on. Okay, thank you, third section. We are a family church, yes. and what do we do? Equip God's people for victorious Christian living. Okay, Amen. this section, what are we? A family church. Thank you, like the back two rows. What do we do? Okay. Amen. All right. We'll work on this. We're going to have to focus on the north end of the building today. That, wait, is that, that's the north end. Yeah. Yes. yes. A little sleep. We'll get we you during the sermon. We are a family church. Amen. That's what we are. Yeah. And we equip God's people for victorious Christian living. Yes. That's why we do parenting classes. Amen. Okay? There we go. Because life is hard and we are a family and we are in this thing together yes. for the Lord. Yes. Right? Amen. Amen. Okay. Those of you who have signed up for baptisms... There's like three clipboards and four pieces of paper up here. It's everywhere. If you have signed up for baptisms or if you would like to sign up for baptisms, they are next Sunday. This Sunday, however, we would like to have you meet right over here after service so that we can get your picture up on the screen for when you're being baptized. Because we love baptisms, but the rest of us who are watching, sometimes we have to squint from the back row and we can't actually see you. 
So it's cool to get your picture up here. So the media team came and said, hey, can we take pictures of them? And we said, yeah, of course, that'd be great. So if you are on the list to be baptized, please meet here right after service, after altar's done, and we will take your picture. Then next Sunday at 9 a.m., there's going to be a baptism class. Pastor Dave will meet you in the lobby at 9 a.m. and go over some information about baptism with you. Sometime during the week, if you're on that baptism list, you will receive a call from our office about what to bring, what to wear, all those details, and answer any questions you may have as well. So make sure your phone number is correct. Make sure your phone number is correct. There are a couple other things going on. Enriched has some things we can donate um, this coming week to the turkey on the table Mm -hmm. this is on the information booth and we'll make sure that there's some additional information next week as well but anything you would buy for your thanksgiving dinner if you buy double of it you can bring it to the information booth we'll make sure to take it to them and they will have turkey on the table at the midtown campus at 800 yucca on november 21st that's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Amen. If you would like to serve or be a part of that, make sure to leave your name and phone number with Miss Kathy at the information booth, and she will get it to us to connect with Midtown Campus as well, to connect you with Enriched. Amen. Another thing that we are doing is these little cards here. This week, we're getting a box for Greater Hope. And Greater Hope is a foster agency here locally in town. And what we do for them is we collect Christmas gifts. So anytime you're at Walmart or anytime you're at Ross and you see a toy, grab it. Yes. Just grab it and bring it. It's for all ages. Um, there is on the back of here some suggestions as to what you could buy or what would, what they're in need of. And we will get to help them and bless them for Christmas as well. Amen. Okay. Also coming this week is women's is coming this Friday. Yeah. Yes. Gentlemen, I'm so sad that you missed this month. It's okay. You'll catch up. But we will be having Mexican food this Friday. It will be quite nice. And we'll be continuing our study of Ruth, which we have had just the most fun with. When you actually dive into the Bible, into those stories, and you study together, there's some crazy things in there that you start to realize, wow, these families are a lot like mine. It's not perfection, but God uses it and turns it into a beautiful story for his glory. So that's what we're studying. We're studying the book of Ruth this Friday, 630 Mexican menu in the... Mom said to say that. (laughs) Bring a main dish, dessert, or drinks. Oh, main dish, dessert, or drinks. There you go. Yes. I'm presuming that someone's going to bring horchata. No one does that. Because none of y'all end up bringing drinks. Sabrina, you got us? Sabrina's bringing horchata? I'll be there. I'll be there. Okay, sounds good. Speaking of food, um, our Thanksgiving, our our family Thanksgiving, our church family Thanksgiving is coming. Yeah, that's a really big deal. And, you know, sometimes your family grows in a hundred ways. You know, people get married. People have lots of extra kids. You bring a grandma in or a grandpa in, you know. It gets big. Our family's big now. You see this family? Are you looking? Y'all eat a lot of food. A lot of food. (laughs) I'm so glad that you're here, but y'all eat a lot of food. So make sure when this makes it to you that you sign up to be a part of Thanksgiving. doesn't matter what you bring. doesn't matter how much of what you bring. There's lots of categories on there that you can bring stuff. And Robert is going to give us some kind of plan. 
little housekeeping. Okay. So we appreciate that you got the free turkey from Food for Less because you bought all the extra groceries. Amen. We're going to need you to cook it and cut it before you bring it here. There you go. Yeah. Couple years in a row, we had like a frozen ham and a frozen turkey delivered, and we just stared at it and prayed. What you do with that? You know, when you get that at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you're supposed to serve it at 11. You know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Okay. Anyway, bring it in disposable dishes so we don't have to return all your dishes, and bring it already cut and ready to serve. Amen. You know, you know, it'll be good. And our Thanksgiving will be on 11:19, so not next Sunday, but the following Sunday. And it'll be right in here. Yes, it'll be a good, amen. good time. We still have children's going on that week. And then after Thanksgiving, there's these cute little Christmas things already out. Now, I have seen some of you already decorating your yards for Christmas. I'm excited about Christmas, but man, like, let's get the pumpkins down first, you know? <laughs> Hold on just a second. Yeah. Thanksgiving's an important one too. But anyway, we do a Christmas came early party yeah. right after our Thanksgiving. So that will be Sunday, 1126 at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. in here. So it will take place over our Sunday night service. Mm-hmm. Wear ugly Christmas garb. It is just the most fun time. Misinformation is up here. We're, we're not doing what of that? Ten and under bring a one dollar gift. All right. Fifteen and up. Seven. seven. Oh, Eleven. Okay. All right. Eleven and up, not fifteen. We'll change that next time. Here's what it is. If your kid is in children's church, one dollar gift. If they're in youth group or older, five dollar gift. Okay? Yeah. Wear your ugly Christmas stuff. Bring a dozen cookies. We don't care if you make them or buy them as long as they're edible, you know. Praise the Lord. It's a good time to check. You know, I'm not great at cookies. I can make like cheesecakes, but I can't make cookies. Anyway, praise God. So Christmas came early is family fun on another level. Make sure that you come that Sunday night. It will be really, really fun. And that's it. That's all we got today. Praise the Lord. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. One last thing. See these white bags. There's some on the information booth as well. If you see them, here's what you're supposed to do with them. They're from enriched. They deliver them to us. They are called blessing bags. They put them together with what's been donated so that you can, when you go out to eat on a Sunday or when you're going to the grocery or whatever, you can walk up to the person and say, hey, I just want to bless you. Can I pray with you? Take one, okay? There's no excuse not to bless someone when you are out and about. And you know that feeling you get when you disobey the Lord? When you see someone, you're like, oh, God help them. And he's like, I sent you and you're like, God help them. (laughs) And you ignore that. That's what this is for. So make yourself yourself available. There are three or four left. Uh, Make sure to snatch one on your way out today and we will bless Barstow. Amen. All right. Very good. Well, again, I said we had a lot going on. So thank you for sticking through all of the announcements there. Hey, if you are with us today, 
for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. We want to welcome you this morning. We have a gift for you. If you could slip your hand up real quick. Amen. All right. We got some on the front row over here. We got them all over the place today. All right. So uh, thank you for being with us. Our welcome team is coming right now. Now, some of you, you just want the Dutch Brothers gift card. You can put your hands on down. But uh, we, we got an info card in there for you. If you would fill that out and turn it into the info booth at the end of the service, right back there in the back, uh, we have a gift for you that we want to welcome you with and say, hey, thanks for coming to High Desert Word Center. All right. Very good. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time, and we call it happy time when we do our tithes and our offerings because 2 Corinthians 9 tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. So do we have any cheerful givers in the house today? Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, if you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will get one to you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many love Jesus? Amen. This is a good time to love Jesus and to walk in his love. Uh, I want to say a couple things before we, before we, I give you some scripture for the offering today. I, 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 I was stirred this morning by everything going on. And uh, Joshua's birthday being uh, November the 5th, this ministry was started November the 1st in 1992 in a classroom at the YMCA in Martinsville, Indiana. Mrs. Pastor and I were sitting down from uh, central Indiana to south central Indiana to another town, and God had to start a church. And so we showed up, and we rented that classroom and had enough money to rent it one time and uh, told the Lord that if you want us to do this, you got to send people money. So 30 people showed up, and $600 showed up, so we rent it for a while. That's the beginning of this. And so then, I'm just giving you a little history because a lot of new people here, some people haven't heard the history of the ministry. And so then... In 1994, when we were really growing and doing a lot of things, or 1995, we determined we needed a mission statement, a vision statement for the church so people would be able to identify what we were. And after spending a whole week with people praying and seeking God, we came up with the fact that we're a family church. And one reason that we come up with that, Mrs. Pastor and I, although we don't hardly look this old, we have, we have eight children. 25 grandchildren that were big into families, big into family ministries. And so I saw the things this morning that when the Lord moved us from Indiana out here in 2005 to take over this church that uh, had been here a long time but wasn't doing very good right then. And so we multiplied what we had out there and brought it out here. And then I look at the the, uh, family classes we're talking about and things like that. We did those back in Indiana and helped a lot of people. And out of our eight children... We have, we have children that are grown. They have, they're all married, all, all have children, and we don't have any moral failures. None of them are druggies, alkies, uh, in jail, in trouble all the time, and some of them, you know, are more hooked up with church things than others, but we raise moral children, and we never, ever, ever lose sleep wondering where they're at or what they're doing. We never get phone calls help get us out of jail or anything like that. And so that's why we're very serious about equipping God's families for a victorious Christian living. The the family is reflection on earth of what heaven's going to be like. 
the family on earth of Christians are representative of the family in heaven. And if people see Christians that live a victorious life over all the things going on today, that's, that's more, that's more of a enticement for somebody to want to go to church and receive Jesus. Amen. And so that's who we are. That's what we do. And we're glad out of all these years of ministry to see things multiplied, hear these testimonies and my children be in the ministry out here. It's just such a blessing to see that, that they're serving God. And that's our desire for everyone in our realm of influence out here that we can influence is to be able to get them into the family of God and the ones who sent to our church be able to disciple them and help them. So anyway, let's just give the Lord a hand for what he's doing. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, I'm going to show you a couple books where we look at the scripture. We're going to look at Hebrews 8, 6 in just a minute. But uh, on Sunday nights, we're teaching we're teaching. Uh, Divine Healing, Divine Health, and our, our November devotionals back there on the information booth coming in, and it's free. We make those for free, and I'm the one that makes all these here out of things I preach and things I teach. But tonight we're going to be teaching a very, very important thing for Christians, and, and the title is, right out of the Word of God, Why Many Christians Fail to Receive Healing from Jesus, and Why Many Christians Die Before Their Time. God wants Christians to know how to get healed if they need it. And he wants Christians to basically stay well, not get sick, but know how to get healed if they need it. And he wants Christians to live a long time. I heard John, Pastor John Osteen say years ago when I was down there, he said it's not right for a man to die at 50 just learning how to help somebody. And so we as Christians need to not only live long, but to live strong so we can help our children and our grandchildren know how to live right. Amen. But we're teaching that tonight. And another book of what you see called God's Creative Power by Charles Capps. And I, I carried one of these in my pocket for years. They're nice little books you can carry in your purse or your pocket. And I want to read one statement out of here that the Lord told him. And that's always stuck with me and helped me. Uh, it said, Jesus told him that the creative power is produced. God's creative power is produced by the heart, formed by the tongue, and released out of the mouth in word form. And so as Christians, we need to learn that our words have power. Our words have influence. What we say about our children is going to have a whole lot to do with what they believe and how they live. What we say about our health is going to have everything to do with the kind of health we walk in. What we say about our finances is going to have everything to do with how our financial life is, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, that's the kind of church we are. We teach the value of the word in a strong way. That's not just lessons. It's what we live by. Amen? But we want to help you. And this is in the bookstore, by the way. We've got a bookstore back there. But I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. And this, this is talking about Jesus. The book of Hebrews is about the present-day ministry of Jesus. A lot of Christians don't realize that when Jesus was raised from the dead and went to heaven, that he's still doing things today. They think, well, Jesus is in heaven. He is in heaven. But he's our high priest today. He's the one that watches over our words. He's the one that's still making intercession in heaven for us. And verse 6 says this, But now has he obtained a more excellent ministry. It's talking about comparing the New Testament to the Old Testament. It says the New is more excellent how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant established upon better promises. A better covenant with better promises 
And a lot of times, it's, it's, it's real easy to understand some things in the Old Testament because they go into greater natural details to understand things. And so whatever it was, he promised the people in the Old Testament, it says we got better promises now. If God wanted the Hebrews, the Jews in the Old Testament to prosper, how much more so for his sons and daughters, they were servants. Amen. If he wanted them well, and all through the Old Testament, he talks about healing. He's the God that healeth us. How much more so for us? Christians have got to know we've got better promises than they had even. But now I said that to say this. Look at chapter 10, verse 23. And that, for, you know, for the first people here for the first time, when we, when we get finished uh, breaking the ties and offerings up to Jesus, we're going to make what we call our financial faith confession, saying things out of the Word of God over our money that the Bible teaches. But then verse 23 of chapter 10 tells us why we do that. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession or confession of our faith, of our faith without wavering, for he, Jesus, is faithful that promised. And so we've got to realize that we need to say what Jesus says about our money. And we're not teaching a lot of things this morning because this is just the offering, not the main sermon. But the Bible teaches in Malachi chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 7, among other places, that God wants his people out of faith and love for him to give him 10% off of everything we make, everything we earn. He wants 10%. And then God said in Malachi chapter 3, if you're faithful to bring your 10% into your storehouse, your local church, he said, I will open the windows of heaven, pour out my blessing on your life, not room enough to receive it. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for you. I will make sure that your stuff is blessed and doesn't break down, etc., etc. And so God said, that's what he promised. And so that's why we make a financial faith confession, because he said, hold fast your confession of faith, because he, not the preacher, not your employer, he is faithful that promised. The employers come and employers go. Preachers come and preachers go. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as long as we know what he says in the word of God about our finances and we keep our words right, we live right, we're going to live a, live a blessed life that people are going to say, why are you so blessed? And then we say it's because of Jesus. That's why, amen, that opens the door. Well, let's stand up. And we're going to make our financial faith confession and then bring our tithes and offerings up to the altar and give, present them to the Lord. And I want to say this again. I want to always say this. Because of the times we live in, a lot of people give online now. They don't, they don't bring money into the church. They don't bring checks into the church. They don't put envelopes in, but they give online and the altar is a holy place of God. And so even if you've already given online and you're not bringing anything up here to put in here, but you've already done that, then you're not lying if you come up here. So as you come up here, the Bible says we're supposed to be thanking him for his blessings. And so as you come up here with your tithes, your offerings, or if you've already done it, just come up here as an act of faith in him and just thank him for whatever it is he's doing in your life. Thank him for what you believe in him to do in your life for the future, for the present tense. Thank him for that job. Thank him for that healing. Thank him for deliverance of those loved ones. Thank him for what you're thanking him for. And I'll tell you what, that is faith 
in Jesus, and he is faithful that promised. Amen. Well, let's make this financial faith confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raise benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, funding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
raise our hands together this morning. Lord, we love you and we praise you today. And we ask that you would have your way in our midst, Jesus. We know that you want to speak to us today. We understand that we live in serious times, Lord, unprecedented times for our life, Lord. And I just say in the name of Jesus, we have open ears this morning to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And we have soft hearts that are ready to receive the seed of the word of God. And Lord, we know that if we would know the truth, the truth will set us free. And so Jesus, we are looking for truth today and we are looking for answers so we can be ready for everything that lies ahead of us. We love you and we praise you today, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody give the Lord some praise and say amen today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats. Isn't the Lord good today? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Give somebody a nice little high five as you're making your way back over there. Amen. What an awesome day to be together. 
Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. And, you know, typically we do series on Sunday mornings, but ever since October 7th, uh, we've kind of been taking it one week at a time. And we've been studying the end times over the past several weeks. And I have not... I don't think I've ever received more feedback uh, from the congregation and online viewers than what we have the last few weeks because it's clear to me that people are searching for answers right now. And, and not everybody, you know, uh, anybody that's got any sense at all understands that we live in a very serious time, and and I'm sure I do see some knuckleheads that are still out there, you know, in La La Land, oblivious uh, that that things are really coming to a head here. But for the majority of the Christians I am talking to, they can tell that we live in a serious time, and it's time to get your life right with God. Who knows that right now? Amen. It's time to clean your house up. It's time to clean your life up, and it's time to look to. Jesus, uh, because this is a serious time frame. And so we're going to dig a little deeper today, but if you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. Uh, we like to give you an outline to kind of take notes with and, and follow along there, kind of some fill in the blanks. And I always want you to get all the scriptures that I'm throwing out there. Uh, that's very important to me. I don't like to just tell you, well, the Bible says blah, blah, blah. I want you to know where the Bible says that at, so you can look it up for yourself. Amen. And, and you should. You should be digging deeper and you should be uh, seeing the word of God for yourself. It's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And it is so important for us to get this. So we got an interesting title today, and you know, you may, you may be thinking like, well, what kind of church did I roll up into today? Well, the title today is this, it's called Prepping. It's called Prepping. And I'm going to explain this a little bit, uh, but, but there are some things that we should be prepping for and preparing for. And you know, again, we've seen these past few weeks how serious Things are getting in our world, and even if you don't know a lot about end times, you know, Bible prophecy or eschatology, I can just, if nothing else, if nothing else, get this, and we've said this for years, if nothing else, know this much, the nation of Israel is the key to understanding most of the end times things. It is so important what goes on in Israel. And, and you know, of course, a few weeks ago, we saw uh, the uh, war start with uh, the, the terrorist group Hamas. And we looked a few weeks ago also in Ezekiel 38, and it tells us that in the end, at some point, I believe it'll be right before the rapture takes place or immediately following the rapture. It tells us that a power from the distant north will invade and attack Israel. And, you know, everybody I've ever heard preach on this would say that that's Russia. Well, lo and behold, over the past few weeks, Russia is like, yeah, we're going to get Israel. We're mad at them and blah, blah, blah. They helped Ukraine out. And so Israel Israel's getting all stirred up. And in Ezekiel 38, it tells us that Persia would be attacking them. And you're like, well, where's Persia? Well, that's modern day Iran, okay? And the Bible times that was called Persia. 2023, it's the nation of Iran. And again, lo and behold, Russia and Iran, the two very countries prophesied 3,000 years ago that would team up and hate Israel at the end. Right now, this very week, our 
you know, saying that, hey, we hate Israel and we want to we want to do something about this. So I'm just telling you too many things are falling into place for this to just be some. Hey, that's a coincidence. Wow. That's, I mean, what are the chances? Oh, there was a 100% chance that what the Bible said would happen is happening and so much more. And so, you know, what has made me happy is a lot of people have been coming to me and not just me, pastors all over, you know, the world and saying, what can I do to get right? What can we do to be ready? And it thrilled me last week. I threw the comment out that, hey, if you're living together and you're not married, I'm not prying into your business. You need to get married. Okay. The Bible calls that fornication. And, and so I've been contacted by so many couples this week that want me to do their wedding. And I think that that's really good news. Amen. That makes me happy. And, uh, it's not because I'm sitting around with nothing to do. It's just like, I want you to be ready and you need to be married if you're going to be, you know, in that sort of a relationship together. And so I'd love to do your wedding. And in fact, there's so many of you, my wife's reminding me right now, what we're, this is a side note, okay? And I'm going to get back to the sermon, but we want to do a uh, get together with you and just do one uh, premarital class all together. Uh, and so there's a, there's a thing back there at the info booth. If you're one of those couples and you're interested in getting married, you're a male and a female, and you want us to do your wedding, uh, go back there. Miss Kathy has a uh, sign-up sheet after service, and we're going we're gonna to make this happen, okay, because we want you to be ready. And so isn't that pretty good news that people are actually listening, amen, to the Word of God? It's, it may not be a big deal to you. It's a big deal to me. And so it has thrilled me over these past few weeks uh, and this past month to see people getting more serious about their faith than ever. And Christians are cleaning up their lives and prepping themselves. And, and you know, when we use the word prepper, we think about somebody that's, you know, storing up canned goods and non-perishable food items and water and hoarding cash and all this stuff and finding a hiding place for when everything goes down. Well, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. That's not a terrible idea. But even more important than all of that, okay, I'm not going to go there. Even more important than prepping yourself for some catastrophic disaster is spiritually prepping yourself for the return of Jesus Christ. Who knows this morning that you need to be spiritually prepared for the end times. Does anybody know that today? Amen. And so, you know, as much as we try to prepare for other things, we need to prep ourselves spiritually before anything else. And so, You know, in the end times, it's pretty simple. I would say it boils down to this. Play stupid games and you'll win stupid prizes. How's that? Does that sound encouraging? (laughs) What? Oh, so what I'm saying is we need to be ready. It is not the time to be playing stupid games because you will reap what you sow. And Jesus is coming back like a thief in the night. And it will catch a lot of people unexpectedly. And a lot of people, it won't catch them off guard because they saw the signs and they were ready. All right. So um, I want to go to Second Timothy chapter 3 to open up with this morning. And so this sermon all week long, I've been like, Lord, there's so much I want to say. There's so many angles. There's so much to say. There's so much to look at in scripture. And I've had a very, very hard time putting this message together just because there's so much 
So much that needs to be said, and I don't, you know, I don't like to sit here and preach all day long. I, I want to get to the point, but I want you to look today at Second Timothy chapter three, and we've seen a lot out of Matthew twenty-four. We're going to go there again today, uh, but we've seen uh, a lot of different passages already referring to the end times and painting the picture. But Second Timothy chapter three is an important chapter uh, where the apostle Paul tells Timothy what the word is going to look like in the last days. Who thinks that you ought to know a little bit about what the world's going to look like in the last days? And so here we are, and we've seen what Jesus said in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Luke 18, and, and, and I believe Mark 13. We've seen all these different chapters. We've read a lot of Revelation the past few weeks, but I find what the Apostle Paul wrote here to be very, very accurately descriptive of our society in 2023. And so 2 Timothy 3, we're going to start here in verse 1. We're going to read a few verses here, but I, uh, this just, I think it's a very accurate description. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Who knows that there, you've seen some of it, but there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. Who knows that we're kind of seeing that these days that, hey, people love themselves a lot. I'm like, hey, I wish that they would love Jesus like they love themselves. Amen. And so it says they will love their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Who sees that today, that there are people that are just scoffing at God? You can show them scripture. You can show them the things that are happening in the world that line up with scripture. And they're like, oh, no, that's crazy. And they scoff and they mock God. Here's another thing. It said they will be disobedient to their parents. That's a sign of the end times. I didn't write it, but according to the Bible, yeah, one of the end time signs is that we will have a generation of people that are disrespectful and disobedient to their parents. Wow. I mean, it doesn't take, you don't got to look very far to see this, but another thing it says, and they will be ungrateful. There's a lot of very ungrateful unthankful people. And of course, we've always had some of these things, you know, throughout society over generations. But I think now we're seeing things on a massive scale, ungratefulness on a massive scale. But here's one that gets me. It says they will consider nothing sacred, nothing sacred. And it just, it, 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 it astounds me how in our generation, in our society, nothing is off limits. Have you seen this? That nothing is off limits. I remember even when I was a kid, it seemed like even people that weren't churchgoers, they at least had a certain level of reverence and respect for a church. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, I'll act like this out there. I don't care. But I, I you know, I wouldn't do that at a church. And now I see things happen at even at our church all the time. And I'm like, wow, back in the 90s when I was a kid, and now I know I sound like a super old man, but check it out. Back in the 90s when I was a kid, even like hardened sinners wouldn't say that inside of a church. And now we've got people who just say stupid words right inside a church. Do stupid things right at 
church and don't think anything about it. Why? They will consider nothing sacred. Nothing's holy. Nothing's sacred. Every place is the same. I'm telling you, there are some things that are sacred. There are some things that are holy and you don't mess with that stuff. You don't mess with God. You don't mess with communion. You don't mess with the word of God. You don't mess with the things that God says are holy. I know it's not a popular sermon, but I'm just, I'm preaching what Paul talked about here. Verse three, they will be unloving and unforgiving. And I'll tell you what, there's some very unforgiving, vengeful, grudge holding people. It says they will slander others. Now that may not sound like a sign of the end times, but check it out. In the, even in the past few years, the ability to slander other people has changed. Why? Because now we've got the internet and we know how to use it. Right? We, I mean, we can use social media and you, all it takes is just within a minute, you have a worldwide audience to slander somebody, ruin their reputation and cancel them uh, in a matter of, uh, of minutes. And I may not sound like a sign of the end times, but I'm telling you right now, even 50 years ago, it took a lot of effort to ruin somebody's reputation. Right now, we could do it before this service is over. We could have you canceled and fired and not have any friends anymore. That sounds crazy, but I believe it's the truth. And Paul said, oh man, in the end, they're going to just be able to slander people. And it's the absolute truth. It says they will have no self-control. Who would say there's a lack of self-control? Oh, yeah, I did this. I slept with her. I smoked that. I drank that. I hit him. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't control myself. I'm going to, okay. Look at that. It says they will be cruel and hate what is good. I'm just telling you that in this generation that the, the people don't just dislike what is good. They hate what is good. And in fact, you know, it, it's crazy. But even Isaiah, the prophet said that he said, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. And again, I'm not trying to sound like the fiery old man on the soapbox, but I'm just telling you today, you and I live in an age where what God says is good, they say is bad. And what God says is bad, they say is good. And if you have the audacity to say otherwise, you're a hater, you're a, I I have a whole list of names that we are, but anyway, you're all these things and it's unacceptable. And the Bible says they won't just dislike what is good, they will hate what is good. That's something to think about right now. No wonder you receive some hate coming towards you. I promise you that if you stand up for the Bible, you're going to have some hate come at you. In fact, I think it's second, I think the last verse of this chapter, verse 16, let's just look at that. We're getting out of order here. You can keep that verse on the screen, but, but it's true. Well, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Who knows that the Bible will correct you and teach you what is right. And that is not popular right now. 
So anyway, let's, we'll, get, we'll get going back here. I've got to stay on focus here because I, I don't want to go all over the place. But uh, verse 4, they will betray their friends. They will be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Love pleasure rather than God. There's people that, you know, well, it's football season. I can't do that. It, it's blah, blah, blah. I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't make time for God right now. Okay, we get it. You love pleasure more than God. Just say it. Say it out loud. It's fine. We're not going to, you know, we're not here to judge you, but you call it like it is. Uh, look at this. Verse 5, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And I see that right now. There's people that act religious, but they reject the very power that can make them godly. And so there's people, you know, that, you know, try to have this sense of morals, but there's nothing backing it up. They reject the power that could actually make them godly. It's a rough thing to look at, but it's true. The Bible says, stay away from people like that. So should you hang out with people that try to act moral, but they have, you know, but they reject the power that can make them godly. Is that who we should hang out with? Well, it says right there to stay away from people like that. It says they're the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. Verse 8, these teachers oppose the truth just as Janice and Jambres opposed Moses. Here it is. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. Woo. I mean, is that an encouraging verse? For, I mean, is that just lighting your fire this morning? Are you ready to run around the church? No, this doesn't sound like a very, you know, uplifting thing. But all we're doing is reading what Paul said the end times would look like. Would anybody say that he was somewhat close to hitting the target on what the end times are going to look like? I, I, I believe that he was. I believe this is very close to what we see right now. And so I'll say this much, though. He said, this is what the world's going to look like. But these things right here should not be the picture of what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. Amen. This doesn't have to be the picture of the body of Christ. And so I want to show you one more verse here, and then we're going to get right into some things. But Ephesians 5, 27, look at that real quick. Ephesians 5 and verse 27. Are we having a good time today? Amen. All right. Hey, Ephesians 5. And we're going to look at verse 27. And we know that Jesus is coming back for his church. Who knows that Jesus is coming back to get us out of here at some point really soon. That's not something we made up. That's not just some comfort teaching. It's the truth from God's word. And so in Ephesians 5, we see Paul writing about husbands and wives and families. But we also know that Christians, the the church as a whole, is referred to as the bride of Christ. Do you know that we are the bride of Christ? And so it says right here, talking about Jesus and us as Christians, he did this to present her, the body of Christ, to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And I believe that that's the picture of what uh, the Lord wants 
the church to look like when he returns, to be without spot or blemish or wrinkle or any other fault. So, question, you know, I, I think it's interesting. He said, hey, you know, I want there to be a church without any wrinkle. And uh, have you ever had a shirt that you wanted to wear, but you found it all wadded up and just wrinkled and blemished in the corner? Well, you've got some options there. You just put it on and pretend that there's no issues. Amen. Anyone? Some of you, some of you did that today and it, and it shows, but I'm kidding. Lighten up people. So anyway, but listen, check it out. So you've got, you know, you've got a, it's a good garment. It's a good shirt, but it, it, it just needs cleaned up. It just needs all the wrinkles ironed out so it can be ready for that moment. And so it's interesting that he says here, the church of Jesus Christ, the Christians, amen. When he returns, we should be, have the wrinkles ironed out. We should have the stains washed up and we should be ready to go with Jesus and be holy and without fault. And so we're going to talk briefly here this morning for just a few minutes about how we can prep, how we can be ready to get those wrinkles out of the garment. Amen. Get those blemishes and those spots cleaned up and we can be ready for our trip because who knows we're taking a trip really soon people amen amen yeah we are ready for Jesus and I'm going to talk just for a few minutes today I'm going to give three things and we may dig into this deeper in the coming weeks but three things that you need to do these are ways to prep yourself so your faith is working so you are in a good position spiritually for whatever comes at us in the coming days weeks and months now you should prep yourself naturally speaking sure do all that but i'm talking spiritually today i'm going to give you three choices you can make because it comes down to a choice. You have a power to choose how you're going to live. You have the power to choose what you're going to do with your life over this next season before Jesus returns. And uh, none of us know when that day or that hour is going to be, but we do know a lot of pieces of the puzzle are coming together that potentially point to it happening very, very soon. And so we're going to look at three ways to prep, three choices. Somebody say choices. These are choices. You don't have to do these things, but these are choices that can set you up for being spiritually prepared for the days ahead. Number one, I'm going to tell you to choose to not be offended. Choose to not be offended. And again, I say choose because I found out that being offended is a choice. And you don't have to agree with me. That's fine. It's okay. Now listen, having people do offensive things to me, that's not my choice. They're going to do it anyway, whether I want them to or not. But I have the ability to choose to let it go. You, could, you can't just do that. Yes, you can. Oh yeah, you can do it. I found that out a while back and it has changed my life because people do offensive and rude and crude things to me just like they do you all the time, right? But you have the ability to choose to say, you know what? It's not worth my time. 
I'm, it's not worth me shipwrecking my faith over that. I choose to not be offended. And in one of the weakest sermon illustrations that I could possibly use, I'm going to go with this one. And I've told this story before. Now, I don't like to get sermon material off of TV. I believe that's poor homiletics. But uh, one time I was watching Seinfeld, okay? Stick with me. I'm going somewhere. And then this episode of Seinfeld, there was a guy that he had done a, a race with an elementary school when he was a kid, and he beat this guy in the race. Well, this guy tracks him down years later into his adulthood, and he's like, I want a rematch. I know that was fifth grade. I want a rematch. And Seinfeld clearly knows this guy's in great shape. The guy would absolutely win this race. And so the guy keeps saying, race me, race me. And Seinfeld simply says, I choose not to run. And they're like, well, what's your reasoning? I don't have to give you a reason. I choose not to run. And I'm thinking about that like, wow, somebody can be totally mean, totally rude, really do something offensive to me. And I can choose to not retaliate. I can choose to not be a little snowflake and go to bed crying over this. I, I can choose to not be offended, I, I have that ability, I have that right. Turns out you do. <laughs> yeah, and so anyway, let's, let's get off of Seinfeld and back to the Bible. Like, clearly it's a much better thing, but now, now, now you may be asking, why would we be talking about this as a sign of the end times? Because Jesus Christ literally listed being offended as a massive sign of the end times. Matthew 24, let's go there. Matthew 24 and verse 10. Can we do that today? Matthew 24 and verse 10. And so the goal of this whole thing here is to prepare us and to show us some things we can do. And I'm, I'm just going to encourage you. And I mean, and I'm very seriously, I'm, I really want to help. If you're a person that gets your feelings hurt very easily, and I get it. If you're a person that is consistently offended and, and and just non-stop going through this motion, I'm not making fun of you. I did a minute ago, but right now I'm not. I'm not making fun of you right now. What I'm saying is this is a real issue. This can massively stop your faith from working. Why? You can write this first down as we're turning here. Galatians 5, 6 says that our faith works by love. And if you're constantly in it with somebody, you're constantly offended and mad and angry. Your faith will not work. You need your faith to work right now. You got to have your faith right now. And choosing to live in a cycle of drama and offense and always getting into it with somebody, it may not sound like that big of a deal. It's a really, really big deal. And it will put the brakes on your faith. You can't afford that right now. You need your faith working. And so Matthew 24, we know that this is an end times chapter of Jesus giving us the picture of the end times. Matthew 24, verse 10, Jesus said, and then many will be offended. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. And so right here from the mouth of Jesus himself, we are warned that one of the end times traps will be offense. And, you know, I looked up here, this word many, it literally comes from this Greek word majority. And so Jesus says that the majority of people here are going 
to be offended people. And notice it's, it's kind of a, a step, a step process here because then it says they will end up betraying one another and then hating one another. And so can you see how out of control offense can get right here? It steps from one thing to the next. It spirals downhill really, really fast. Now, Jesus said, you can write this down, in Luke 18, 8, he asked a question. He said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth. And I want to say in Barstow, Jesus, you will find faith in Barstow. I, I can't speak for everywhere, but I'm believing in the name of Jesus that when you come down out of the sky and you see Barstow, you will find faith on the earth in Barstow. But I know this much. If we're a bunch of offended people, bunch of drama offended people, he will not find faith on the earth. Because your faith simply will not work if you cannot love other people. That's not a popular thing to say, but it's the absolute truth. And uh, upon studying offense further, I found out that there's two types of offenses. Two types. There's number one, those that are justified. Meaning you, yeah, you, you have the right to be offended. No doubt about it. There are justifiable offenses. And then number two, there's those that are unjustified where you're, you know, nobody likes to hear this. You're overreacting and you're being too sensitive. Does anybody want to hear that? You know, I didn't think so, but hey, the truth will set you free. So there you go. So listen, there's two types of offenses. There's those where, yeah, you deserve to be offended. And then there's those where you're just being overdramatic and you're taking it too far and you really should grow up and let it go. Now, here's the thing, either kind, either, either way, the result is is the same. It cripples your faith and it paralyzes your life and it makes your life miserable. I've seen on sometimes on TV where maybe, you know, someone's hunting or something like that and they accidentally shoot somebody. That's a bad thing, no doubt about it. It was a total accident. Then I've seen times where they on purpose did it. But here's the thing, either way, the results are the same, right? Whether it's an accident or not an accident, the results are the same. Someone got hurt really bad or died, and it's the same way with offense. Whether it's justified or unjustified, okay, whatever, leave that in God's hands. But either way, the results are the same. Your life is crippled faith-wise. And so First Peter chapter 2 tells us that when Jesus was led to the cross, he ignored their insults. They were shouting things. They were saying things. It says he did not retaliate. He left his case in the hands of God. And if Jesus could do that, we've got to be able to do this. And so am I saying today that anytime someone does something mean, you know, tell them it's okay. And that you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. I can't afford at this point of my life. I can't afford at this point in where the world is going for me to spend my time focusing on how much I can't stand you. My focus needs to be on how much I love Jesus and what the Bible's telling me to do to protect my family. So, you know, it's all a choice though. It's all an absolute choice. All right. Number two, let's go to this. Number two, choose to go to church. Good answer. Survey says. 
All right, yeah, well. All right, good answer, good answer. Yeah, come on, I tell you guys, we play Family Feud here. Even if what I said isn't that good, you still clap, just like they do on the TV show. Yeah. You ever watch that show and someone says the most stupid answer everywhere? Like, what's your favorite color? West. Good answer, good answer. <laughs> Who puts these boneheads on this show? Anyway, all right. Uh, sorry, should, my bad. Lord, forgive me, I apologize. All right, so number two, choose to go to church. Now, I, I'm saying this, I'm not saying this because, you know, we, you know, we need more people in the church. We've got a lot of people that come to church now. In fact, we're looking at how we can buy more chairs because we've run out of chairs. So that, that's a good thing. Amen. So, uh, you know, heads up, we're going to be looking at buying more chairs soon because we've run out of the matching chairs. That, that's a good thing. Amen. We got to set up these extra couple rows back there every week, but, uh, but I, so I'm not saying that you need to choose to be in church in the end times because, you know, we want to have more people in our church. I'm saying this because this is one of the very specific things that the Bible says you better do as the day of the Lord is coming back. And so let's look at Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Can we go there? Hebrews 10, 25. Are we together this morning? Are you getting anything here? So we're going to look. Uh, Hebrews 10, 25, but there's several things the scripture list that will be key and crucial to our end time success. And I'm telling you that attending church is one of those things the Bible literally says to do, especially at the end. And sometimes the excuses that people have, it, it's, it's comical and I'm like, whatever, you know, hey, <laughs> but I heard a quote that I want to share with you. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I don't know. I just, I need to compile a list of things where, well, if I went into the church, the roof would collapse because I'm so evil. I'm like, really? God's been waiting on you for years to go to church. Just so the moment you get there, he could collapse the ceiling and kill you. God's not a murderer. So check that off your box. But also listen, people just, you know, they, they say church is full of hypocrites. Well, listen, we've said this before too. The gym's full of fat people, but at least they're there, right? They're trying to get help. They're at the right place. Yes. We're, yes, we're full of hypocrites. We're full of some crazy people. Have you seen the preacher at this place? He's nuts. All right. And so here's the thing. You're at the right place. If it's, if the church is for hypocrites, you should be in there because you're on the list. Mr. Perfect. Amen. Get your butt in a church. Amen. Right. So it's the perfect place for you. If you're a hypocrite, if you just don't have it all together, if you are less than perfect, this is the church for you because there's not a single perfect person that goes here. We got some wonderful people. Amen. And so, you know, I love you. I'm just serious. So what I'm saying is this, is that this is a great place for us to be. So Hebrews 10 and verse 25 the scripture says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. 
That's what the Bible says. And so has it always been a good season to go to church? I mean, I've always thought that it is. But according to this, this, you know, I wouldn't harp on this verse all the time like I have been if it weren't for that last sentence right there. If it didn't say, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, you know, I would love this verse, but, you know, I'd, I'd give you a little break on it. But I'm telling you right now, it has never been more important to be gathered together in the house of God than it is in the end times. And I saw somebody say this online, stop looking for the perfect church. Go worship a perfect God today with a congregation of flawed people who need grace just as much as you do. Until you've reached perfection, Quit looking for the perfect church because as soon as you go there, it won't be perfect anymore. You're going to ruin their perfect street. And the truth is, none of us are perfect. No church is perfect, but that's the thing. God didn't call you to find the perfect church. He called you to gather together with some flawed people that need the grace of God just as much as you do, Miss Perfect. Amen. And so this is something for us. To consider. So in the end, I say coming to church once a month, once a year, twice a year, it's cute, but it's probably not good enough anymore in the end times. You're going to need more than that. Reading your Bible once a week, finding the verse of the day on the Bible app, that's sweet. And that's, that, maybe that was good for a while, but it's not going to cut it in the end times. You need daily bread. Amen. You need every day to be hooked up to Jesus, drawing strength from the word of God, praying to the Lord simply when you need a little something that may be worked up until now, but here in this day and age, you're going to need to be talking to Jesus every single day. It's different. It's different where we're at right now. This is a whole new chapter of life for all of us, and we need to get serious about the Lord. And so you need a church right now that that isn't doing some cotton candy sermon series about Disney movies. I'm just being honest. You know, I'm not making fun of anybody. I've got friends that pastor massive churches, and I'm not making fun, but... I'm just saying, I see some church right now doing a sermon here, the gospel according to the Beatles. Like, what in the world? Stuff like this. Josh was telling me, and Pastor Josh was telling me about one of the church. <laughs> they had their worship team dress up as Super Mario characters when the Mario movie came out. I was like, if I rolled up into a church and I saw Luigi on the keyboard, I'm walking out. That's all. I'm, if I saw the mushrooms, what you know, dude, get me out of here, okay? Uh, I'm not. I'm just saying, you need to be in a church. Whether you know, it doesn't have to be this one. Whatever, find a church. But you need to be in a church right now that is telling you the truth. Get ready, Jesus is coming back soon. You need to be ready. And so that's why we're taking this thing so seriously. And so I saw, there's another thing I found online. Somebody said, to, to the person that says, I don't need church. I study the Bible for myself. That statement alone is proof enough that you don't study the Bible for yourself. <laughs> because the Bible says, go to church, amen? And so we need church. Why? Because 
it encourages us, it equips us. You need the fellowship of other believers. You need the anointing that takes place when we worship God together. You need to hear the word of God in person together as much as possible. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 20, I believe it is, that where we are gathered together in his name, he's right there in the midst of us. Amen. So this is a very important time for us. And then I'm going to go to number three here today. Number three. It's all about choices this morning, how you're preparing for the end. It's all choices. Number three, choose to not give up. Choose to not give up. You may feel discouragement right now. You may be facing difficulty right now. But if I could say anything, don't give up. Don't give up today. Why? Because Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still there for you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Don't give up. And I can tell you that here at the, you know, in the end times, and, and as I'm using this phrase, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not making guarantees. I'm not saying, I guarantee by this time next year, Jesus will have come back. I'm not going to guarantee that. That's crazy. I'm saying it definitely could happen. I'm not guaranteeing that won't happen. But what I am saying is everything's falling in place for something to happen really soon. Either we're going to see Gog and Magog or we're going to see World War III or something like that. Either way, I'm not interested in being a lukewarm Christian. I'm not interested in trying to fight these things on my own. I want the power of God full force in my life right now. I need it. I need everything the Lord has for me and my family. And so God's grace Whatever you're facing, God's grace is enough to see you through. You will triumph in Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Who knows that today? Amen. And so I encourage us that we have to look at everything in life and compare it to eternity. Our very worst problems that we face are temporary at best, at worst. The very worst thing that you face in this world, this side of heaven, no matter what it is, it's temporary if you've got Jesus. You may have a thorn in the flesh like, you know, Paul dealt with, okay? Our belief and our faith is that in the name of Jesus, whatever is messing with you. We are going to overcome it this side of heaven in the name of Jesus. You're receiving your healing. You're receiving your miracle. You're receiving your breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Even if that didn't happen this side of heaven, no matter what it is, it's temporary compared to heaven. If you dealt with a thorn in the flesh for the next 50 years, you're going to be in heaven for the next 10 billion years and beyond eternity, right? And so no matter and when you begin to hold your problems in the light of eternity they become smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller we've got to get this revelation in our hearts our problems here at the very worst are absolutely temporary i want you to look at matthew 24 and verse 13 matthew 24 and verse 13 
I was listening to Andrew Wama uh, preach a while back, and he said he was talking to a lady that was, she was crying and coming for prayer, I guess, to him because her third husband had just left her. And, and, you know, he was trying to calm her down. He's like, well, do you have Jesus in your heart? And she's like, no. He's like, wait a minute. You're, you're, you're not born again. She said, no. And he said, so you're telling me right now that if you died, you would go to hell, not to heaven. And she said, yeah. And he's like, and you, out of, out of, out of that, you're upset because your husband's gone? Think about that. He's like, listen, <laughs> we've got a bigger problem than your husband leaving right here. You need to get things right with Jesus. That's the big problem, all right? Worry about that other stuff later. But if you don't have your eternal destiny handled, no matter what your other problems are, they pale in comparison. And so you may be here today like, man, I need a, a financial miracle. I need healing. But if you don't have your heart right with Jesus, believe me, money is the least of your concerns. Your relationships are the least of your concerns. Having things right in your heart with Jesus is the absolute number one most important thing. Matthew 24 and verse 13, I'm talking to you about choose to not give up. He tells us, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Choose to not give up. And that choice is so much easier when you have the word of God as your foundation. When you are surrounded by other believers. When you are listening to and looking at the right things, that choice is a whole lot easier than just trying to be strong on your own. Revelation 12, 11, it's on your, your list there. You can put it on the screen. I'm gonna kind of start winding things down here. But Revelation 12, 11, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. And they did not love their lives to the death. You can win against every situation in life because of the blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony. Who knows that this morning, that the blood of Jesus is all powerful. The word of your testimony. Amen. It's so important. And, and in the NLT, it says they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And that's the type of faith that we have to have in these end times. As things tend to get a little crazier and a little more wild, we've got to cling to Jesus more than we ever have before. Who knows that today? It's so important. He has to be our foundation. And so here in just a minute, we're going to take communion together. But we're talking today about preparing yourself for the end, preparing yourself. We don't know what all could happen next. And, I, and again, I don't try to just sit here and, and scare people and, and try to be a conspiracy theorist and all that. You know, there's plenty of people doing that. But I know this much, that even if Jesus didn't come back for another 100 years, another 500 years, at some point, I'm going to stand before God, whether it's through me dying or through me being raptured or, or whatever happening, I have to stand before God someday and give an account for my life. I've got to be prepared for that moment. Can we stand up together this morning? 
Here in just a minute, we're going to be receiving communion together. And we want you to be able to partake of this. Uh, you know, communion is a, a really good time to be able to talk to the Lord. And if there's any repenting that needs to take place in our life, this is a good time for that. But to take communion here with us, uh, you know, at church today, you can even take it at home, online, if you're watching online. If you want to take communion, you don't have to be a member of High Desert Word Center, but you do need to be a member of the family of God. You got to have things right with Jesus. And, and I want to lead us today in a prayer to make sure that we're in the right place with the Lord. You know, in the month of October, we had about 25 people give their lives to Jesus here at church. Amen. At these altars, it was incredible. And I see this as people are waking up, they're getting serious, realizing like, man, I got to quit playing around. I got to be ready for this thing. And so I want to lead us again in a prayer today. I want to give you every chance that we can to get things right with God. And some people are like, well, I'm not ready to, to make that choice. I, I, I need more time. Listen, that's risky. That is rolling the dice on that one because we don't know how much more time we have. And so a lot of times people want to procrastinate and be indecisive. It's okay to be indecisive about where you're going to eat lunch at. It's not okay to be indecisive about where you're going to spend eternity. You're never going to have an opportunity to receive Jesus than you have right here. This is your moment. Joshua said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You've got to make that choice. And some will say, well, I don't want to choose. Then you've made your choice. Choosing to delay, choosing to say, I don't know. Then the choice is no. You've got to choose Jesus for yourself. I can't choose him for you. Grandma can't choose him for you. Dad can't choose him for you. Everybody has to make that choice. And so I want to lead us together in a prayer today. Maybe you've never really received Jesus. Maybe you have. And you kind of let go and walked away. We're not here to judge you on that. We're just here to build a bridge and get you back in right standing with God. The choice is up to you. The choice is yours. Let's bow our heads and, and let's close our eyes together today. And I want to lead us in this prayer this morning before we receive communion together as a church family. Say this, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? So here's what we do here at High Desert Word Center. If you are getting your relationship restored with Jesus. We don't want to just say, hey, good luck. Hope you make it. You know, give you a pat and say so long. No, we've got a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer where we pair you up with another Christian from the church here where they will uh, message you every day for the next 30 days. A Bible verse, a devotion, a prayer. They'll talk with you if you want to talk. They're going to mentor you for a full month to make sure that you are getting on the path that you need to be on. That's the very best gift we could ever give anybody. If you are coming back into a relationship with Jesus today and you're interested in that, 
here in just a few minutes. This is Jose right here raising his hand. Jose is in charge of that. He'll be right over here by this piano over here at the end. Come give him your name and number. We will connect you with somebody else from church that will be your spiritual personal trainer for the next 30 days. All right, at this point, we're going to receive communion. And so how we're going to do this is each row, row by row, come on up both sides. You can get the communion elements. If you want to stick around at the altar and talk to God, you can do that. Or you can go back to your spot and remain standing from there. Amen. Pastor Josh, lead us in some worship.
things that maybe we should or shouldn't do. But during communion, uh, you know, we're talking about the blood of Jesus right here. And we understand that this juice doesn't literally become the blood of Jesus as we take communion, but it does represent that. And if, there, if I'm going to joke around or mess around with something, I will not mess around with the blood of Jesus. I, I, I won't go there. It's too risky for me. And so that's why I take it seriously. But in Hebrews 10 and verse 28, it's kind of a hardcore chapter. We've read from Hebrews 10 a couple times today. But it, it, it reminds us that verse 28, for anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. I mean, that sounds like a harsh law. But look at verse 29. It says, Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy on us. And, and so, like, what's that all about? It's telling us right there that someone would read the law of Moses and be like, gosh, that's harsh. You could be put to death just by the account of two or three witnesses. That's all it took? Yeah, under the law of Moses. And that sounds really harsh. But he said it's even harder for somebody that treats the blood of the covenant disrespectfully, unholy, like it was just a common thing. Oh, yeah, it's just the blood. Of, it's communion. It's just the blood of Jesus. Yeah, whatever. We do this every month. You know, and so that's why I take it seriously. I, I don't take communion seriously. In fact, my dad's going to preach on a little bit on this tonight. I saw his notes earlier, but uh, but that's why that's why I take it seriously because I understand that this can be one of the most life changing things that takes place for the Christian is to take communion together with other Christians. It's a holy moment, and then somebody that's just like, yeah, whatever, communion. Let's let's go catch the game, like. That's dangerous. And so there's never been a more important time for us to iron out the wrinkles, to wash things up, to clean up our lives. Never been a more important time than there is now. So I encourage you, we're going to take a few minutes. First Corinthians 11 says, as we take communion, each person should examine themselves. Uh, the King James says they should judge themselves before taking communion. And so we're going to take just a few minutes this morning, just a few moments to examine our lives, judge ourselves. If there's something that needs to be repented of, hey, it's between you and God. None of my business. You should do that right now. If there's something that God's been working with you on, now's the time to talk to God about it right now between you and God, not between anybody else. So let's take a minute this morning and talk to the Lord and examine our lives, and then we're going to receive communion together.
1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, the Apostle Paul writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so we take this this morning and we do this to remember the body of Jesus that was broken apart for us. And we thank you for it, Jesus. same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this to remember me as often as you drink it so Jesus we take this this morning and we know that this represents your blood that that paid for a new covenant Lord a better covenant with better promises and so Jesus we want to honor you and remember you with this this morning. We do this in remembrance of you. team come on up this morning and uh, Jose is going to be over here by the piano if you're here and you're interested in a spiritual personal trainer you can come see Jose and he's going to connect you with the right person but if you're here and you need prayer for anything this morning we want to be in agreement with you we want to pray with you and watch the Lord uh, work in your life and do what he needs to do and so we ask that you be reverent for a few more minutes here this morning you have all afternoon to you know joke around have fun and we're going to do that but give God a few more minutes of reverence today as we pray for those that are coming forward with needs and then we'll release you after that amen so a few more minutes of prayer here guys
appreciate everybody uh, being reverent this morning and letting them uh, minister here. I pray that we received the word of God today. Amen. And, and you know, and some of the stuff we're looking at in scripture, I, I understand it's not uh, super exciting things, but my goal is to just help us to understand how serious the time that we live in is and for us to be prepared and ready for the season ahead in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we want to remind you that there's service tonight at six o'clock. My dad's going to be uh, ministering on healing. And so if you need healing in your life, you you should be here. If you don't need healing, you should be here. Amen. Because it's a lot better to be prepared before the attack comes than trying to play catch up after an attack comes against you. Amen. And so I encourage you, if you need healing tonight in any way, physically, emotionally, man, be here tonight. And we're going to look at the word of God on this. And uh, those that are interested in getting married, you're a male and a female. Hey, go back there to the info booth. Give us your uh, information. And we're looking at getting a, a class together here uh, and making this happen because we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of weddings coming up. So I love that. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to wind things down and close out in prayer. And then we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow. And if this was your first time with us today, also at the info booth, give them that info card. They got a gift card for you to the Dutch Brothers and some other you know gifts. I don't know what all it is, but uh, go back there. And we want to thank you for being with us today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God and that it has the answers to every situation that we face. And Lord, we know that, that we live in kind of some crazy times right now, but we don't have to be afraid because we have you. You are our source. You are our refuge and our fortress no matter what happens. And so, Jesus, we're clinging to you. I pray that you would use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go and and show the love of Jesus all over Barstow, the high desert, everywhere that we are. Use us for your glory this week and bring us back safely next time. We love you and we praise you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen? All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and do our Barstow faith confession and then you can be dismissed. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight. Oh, and if you're signed up for baptism, meet us over here at this wall. We want to get a quick picture for you next week. If you're looking to get married or thinking of We did that. Before you leave, if you're thinking about getting married, if you are hoping to get married, if you're planning to get married fast, sign up at the info booth, name, phone number, email.